The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 to zero. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy New Year to you all. Happy, Happy New, New Year, Year, Scott. Happy New Year, Don. Happy New Year, guys. So a pretty, uh, you know, now they say January. Uh-oh. I mean, it's not quite the bills haven't arrived yet, but they are too uh, soon. That is for sure. Uh, how do we get through this year? What are your thoughts as we head into this new year? Well, yeah, you know what? Last year, um, we had its challenges and we don't have to explain those at this time because everybody knows those. And, you know, it's nice to get through the holidays and you kind of just let the defenses relax a little bit. And now it's OK, back into 2023. And and you know what? It's been a reality check. It's time to kind of step back and say, OK, where are we going to do this year? And on that note, this is exactly what Jay's going to be talking about. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, Don, you're going to touch on resolutions, I think, in the next set. But um, I'm just going to touch on a little bit what happened over the last year and where we were and what happened. Obviously, people know where they are. But one of the big things that that we notice in our business is Canadian's net worth. And, and there's lots of articles in the Globe and Mail the last couple of weeks about net worth declining. And it's obvious, you know, the, the price of houses have gone down, um, your investments have gone down. So your net worth is a calculation between what your investments, your house, your car, any of your other belongings, minus your debts, mortgages, loans. Um, so that net number is what your net worth is. So generally that increases over time. Um, as you pay down your debt, save for your investments, investments increase, house values increase, your, your net worth is supposed to continue to go up. And often we see that when, we, when we're sitting down with reviews for our clients, we're looking at their net worth. And that's kind of a bar where we set and make sure that their, their net worth is increasing. Well, this year, uh, we're in a kind of anomaly where we, it didn't happen because everything went down. Investments went down, real estate went down. So what do we do? Um, and where are we? So uh, houses have dropped about 20, anywhere from 5 to 20%, depending on the location of your, of your property. Um, generally, that's your largest asset. So that's, that's put a a big dent in people's net worth this year. So um, a drop of 20% in one of your largest assets. And if you've owned rental properties or cottages, that's also inflated the, the the drop in your net worth because it's a bigger portion of your overall overall portfolio. So definitely definitely no safe haven this year on, on where you could invest your money or where you could put your money and not not preserve your, your net worth unless you're in a cash position. So uh, yeah, go ahead, Don. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of interesting. Real estate's one of those things that uh, there's a lot of people have never seen the real estate market go down. And in uh, we heard a lot of people, particularly younger folks, saying, "Okay, well, real estate only goes up. Let's say it only does say eight to ten percent, thinking that's mm-hmm. normal." And it was interesting. I, I often said, "I said, well, you haven't gone through a downturn, and you know we're getting a little older, I guess, and we've seen this happen a number of times, and it all comes back down to the averages." And mm-hmm. so when you have a huge uptick, it's got to get back to the mean. And that and that stocks too. Real estate yeah. is the exact same way. Yep, no different in the stock market. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, there's lots of anxious people right now and never seeing their house drop in value. So getting a little bit of panic setting in. You know, when we see people when the markets drop in the stock market, we see people start to panic and get anxious and think they have to sell. The same thing with these houses. Now people are looking at it and saying, wait a minute, maybe I should start selling. You really have to feel um you 
you really have to feel sorry for those who purchased in the last year or two during the height of all of this when, you know, a lot of people were looking for bigger homes or more house or wanted to get out of the city or whatever. And we're just desperate to get out. And now, you know, the people who bought in the last year or so, they're the ones that must be thinking, my goodness, my mortgage is bigger than the value of my house at this point. You talked about yeah. cottages. You talked about cottages. That's another example of, of where the price even fluctuates more than a house does. So, man, anybody that bought in the last year, they're feeling the pinch right now. Yeah, for sure. And again, it's all about time, right? So if you bought a house in the last year, it's it's going to take some time. Houses will stabilize at some point. The markets yeah, they will, will go up. They will go up at some point. Yeah. Um, capital markets will prevail and the stock market will go back up at some point as well. So it's just a matter of time. Um, and how much time do you have on your side? That's, that's kind of the thing. If you're, if you're looking to flip a house in the last year, probably, uh, probably sitting with a, a large mortgage or a highly leveraged property and, and the value, like you said, could be worth more than the, or worth less than what the mortgage is. So yeah. And, and the whole idea of flipping is mm -hmm. speculating. That's just yeah. another term for speculating. That's yeah. not investing. Yeah. 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 Almost like date trading almost but on a, in on a real estate <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah during this time you got to make sure that you're paying down your debts don't change your don't change your plan if you've got a financial plan in place make sure you stick to that plan yeah your net worth down but keep paying down that debt keep investing don't don't vary from the plan just because things have kind of gone off the rails a little bit make sure you stick to to the plan you know don and i are optimists we look at downturns as opportunities and the stock market right now is on sale houses are on sale i don't know if we're at a bottom in the stock market. I don't know if we're at a bottom in the, the price of house, but it's it's at a discount and now there's opportunity. So uh, houses are becoming more affordable, but on the flip side, interest rates going up. So are they really affordable? I looked at, I did a quick analysis on the average price of houses in Hamilton. In June, it was 935,000. Today it's 835,000. So a drop of about a hundred grand over the, over the last six months. Um, you know, if you needed to get a $700,000 mortgage in June, June, um, rates were about 5% for a five-year mortgage. Um, now they're at about 5.6. So you got a slight increase in the mortgage rates. Um, however, if you were to buy that same house, you're paying $100,000 less. So you've got a $100,000 less mortgage, comparatively speaking. On a, on a $700,000 mortgage for five for 25 years at 5%, the, the payment monthly would be about $4,071. Now, if you bought that same house at $100,000 cheaper, but you're paying a higher interest rate, that same $600,000 mortgage now um, at 5.6 is, is $36.97 a month. So a difference of about $375. And then I looked at it and said, okay, well, that's probably about the cost of property taxes in Hamilton on that same same property value. So, you know, are you any further ahead or behind? I think it's becoming more affordable for houses for people um, in terms of the drop. Um, I guess the moral of the story is that my, my adult children won't be living with me forever. So um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they can afford to buy a house at some point. Um, a few few suggestions when buying a house, make sure you uh, use a real estate agent. I think it's there's some value in a real estate, especially when you're buying. Um, it doesn't cost you anything. Um, people don't aren't some people aren't aware of that when you're buying your first home when you enlist the service of a real estate agent it doesn't cost you anything the seller is the one that's paying for the purchase um, not not the buyer so you can have one or two or three different real estate agents working for you at the same time real estate agents don't like that but, 
but um, you can definitely you can definitely do that. Um, getting a mortgage, make sure you shop around. Go to the bank that you're that you normally bank with and see what the best rate you can get, and then shop it around. Because often that bank will offer you a rate, but it's it might not be their lowest of the low rates. So once they know you've shopped around and and trying to get the best possible rate, they may come back to you with a better rate if you've got something in hand saying you know another institution's offering a better rate. Uh, consider long-term thinking or forecasting when picking a, a term for your mortgage. So there's one, you know, you got your one-year fixed, your three-year fixed, your five-year fixed, or your variable are kind of the, the standard type mortgages that are out there right now. Um, if you're buying to flip houses, you don't want to lock in for a long long period of time on a mortgage, probably look at a shorter term. Um, do you think rates are going to start to decrease? So, you know, people are saying we're going to start stabilizing these interest rates. I don't know if that's true or not. I hope so. Um, but if they are going to start to decrease, you, you might not want to lock in for a long period of time. Um, and it, again, speculation a little bit, but if you if you think rates are going to drop, then maybe you should hold off on that long-term locking in at this point in time. Um, if you're on a tight budget, if you if you've got a fixed income and you you've got a tight budget, you you might want to look at locking in for a longer term, so you know exactly what your payments are. Yeah, you might sacrifice some flexibility and and might end up paying a little bit more, but at least you're in a position where you you guaranteed to have that payment structured and set for that that whole period. Um, get pre-approved. Uh, most people don't even know that they can do that. You don't have to get approved for a mortgage and, and then buy something. You can get pre-approved and have it standing there for 60 or 90 days. And that pre-approval's in place so that you know what you can afford. So when you go shopping with that real estate agent, know what your budget is. And often when, when you get that pre-approval at the bank, um, it might be a little higher than, you're, than you think um, because they're looking, looking at it just from a pure number standpoint point. So just because you're approved for a certain amount of, on a mortgage doesn't mean you can necessarily afford it. Uh, the bank will, like I said, the bank will approve you for possibly a, a substantially higher amount than you can afford. So it's definitely worth going through uh, a detailed financial uh, financial review with your with your advisor and look for it through a cash flow analysis. Make sure that you've gone through every expense to know what you're going to be looking at. You can't you can't predict everything that's going to happen when you buy a house, but at least have a budget in in place and and know where you stand in terms of um, in terms of what you can afford. Even though the bank may approve you for a certain amount, make sure you know what you can actually uh, what you can get. Sitting down with a financial planner, doing a comprehensive financial plan that'll help give you some kind of a roadmap so that you have a guidance, uh, identify what you can afford, give yourself a stress test. So if interest rates do go up, how does that affect your, your overall financial plan? Can you afford to stay in that house? Um, if, or if the property values drop, can you, can you afford to stay there? Is it going to cause problems on your mortgage? Um, so there's just lots of things you need to consider identifying what, what works best for you. Um, it is always best to sit down with a financial planner. Uh, mortgage insurance. That's another thing that they, the banks often or mortgage companies will often offer. It's almost a standard, just check the box and get, get mortgage insurance on a mortgage. Our thought is not the, our thought is not exactly the same as, as, as the banks looking at um, getting individual coverage as opposed to getting mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance is, is something that's set in place with the mortgage. And you think as a first time home buyer, you think you need it or even, even experienced home buyers. Don and I have seen lots of our older clients, you know, have houses for the last 20 years, been paying mortgage insurance for 20 years and paying way too much for mortgage insurance when they could get individual coverage costs less. Um, it's level coverage. So yeah, go ahead, Don. 
Yeah, and I think also on the mortgage insurance side of things, Jay, is I think just the name confuses people. They think it's like mm-hmm. a different type of insurance. When at the end of the day, mm-hmm. as you're just about to say, it's just simply a term insurance policy. And, and, and it pays out in case of a death. So to get a different, to buy term insurance rather than mortgage insurance, you're, the end result is the same with better coverage and less cost. No, absolutely. Yeah. So when you go, when you go into get your mortgage, often, like I said, they'll, they'll just have you check the box. Say, yeah, of course you want mortgage insurance. You want to make sure you're protected. And it's, 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 it's a good thing that you're protected, but there's other options is, is what we were just talking about and saying that if you get individual coverage, yes, there's a little bit more legwork involved in terms of underwriting, but that's a good thing. Um, when, they, when you go through an individual policy, you're going to get under, underwritten medically um, to make sure that you are healthy. Um, whereas mortgage insurance, it's not underwritten at time of application, it's underwritten at time of claim. So often we'll find when these, these mortgage insurance, people get the mortgage insurance, well, I'm uninsurable, I'll just get mortgage insurance well the mortgage insurance actually wouldn't pay out if you're uninsurable at the time of application so you can really getting insurance getting personal insurance first of all it's like getting a free medical um that's what don and i always say you know you go through that medical process and you find out if you're if the insurance company thinks you're healthy you must be pretty good um but yeah you you, you definitely want to make sure that you you cross your t's and dot your i's with with all the aspects of a mortgage and real estate because it, it it's your largest purchase and you want to make sure that you sit down with someone to to go go through everything. And it's not just sitting down with the bank, um, sit down with your, your financial advisor and, and go through the, the whole comprehensive plan. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. Don, you want to talk about New Year's resolutions, the financial kind. Now, do we have any hope of, of keeping these New Year's resolutions as we do say, you know, losing weight, all that other stuff? What are our chances here, Don? Help us. Help us. The same chance, basically, unless, and again, it would apply to whether it was a fitness goal or a weight loss goal or, or what have you. It's uh, financial New Year's resolutions are just as easy to make and as easy to quit, okay? Um, They make you feel good, I guess, making them. In fact, two-thirds of Americans, they don't have a stat for the Canadians, but I'm sure it's similar. Two-thirds of Americans are are planning on making a financial resolution. But funny enough, 81% of already said, of those people, already say it's going to be harder this year with inflation. (laughs) okay so they're already building in an excuse into the resolution so they don't feel bad they've got their escape clause already built in nice exactly you know if it wasn't for the inflation jay we would have done you know we would have had those (laughs) this year you know that's what it is that's like that's like saying you know i'm gonna lose weight but i know we got easter coming up around the corner there so that's a big meal i may may wait till after that yeah if it wasn't for easter we would have done great but uh, and again, the top 2023 
are, uh, you know, save more. And I'm sure that's been a consistent one all, all the way through. This was an interesting one, though. Don't sign up for more credit cards. Well, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. And that's uh, probably a good thing. But, yeah. you know, you go to a store, especially just before Christmas, you said, you know, they, they have booths. They're trying to sign you up for the, you know, the store one. Um, you go to a sport sporting event. There's one there. You know, you go on an airplane. They'll, they have you sign up for their one to get points. Like they're, they have them everywhere and they try to encourage you to sign. Now, funny enough, the next uh, number, number three in terms of uh, top uh, resolutions was improved credit score. Well, that goes literally with the second one. See, mm -hmm. if you don't send credit, the, the more you sign up for credit cards, the worse your credit score is. It actually knocks against your credit score. So, yeah, those two go hand in hand. Um, I, I never would have thought number two would have been, you know, don't sign up for more credit cards. But again, you're finding a lot of people in debt right now. And so, you know, paying, you know, paying Peter, which stealing from Peter to pay Paul kind of thing is like, okay, I'll, I'll take a, a loan off my credit card to pay off the other credit card. Not a great strategy, by the way. Um, create a personal budget. And this is in, very important. That was the next big goal that people have. Well, those are all good. Absolutely. But, you know, if I were to say, what, what are the resolutions you need to make? First thing is, let's go back. Let's take a look at 2022 and say, okay, what mistakes did I make? Uh, did I try to flip houses, as Jay said, in 2021, 2022? Uh, probably not idea. Again, that's speculating. Did I go heavy into crypto? Did I just basically gamble? And that's really what those are. And, you know, you learn from those mistakes. Think of investing and speculating. They're totally different beasts. And you got to understand the two. Um, but so you write down your mistakes and, and so that you don't want to repeat those. On the same token, write down your victories. So what did you do well? Were you able to pay off your debts? Okay, how did I do that? Was I more disciplined? Did I save more? Uh, maybe I, I got rid of a lot of the extra expenses I didn't need. So write down the ones you did because you want to repeat those ones. So mm -hmm. you basically don't want to, you want to stop the ones that you, you made the mistakes and do more of the ones that you did, you, you improved on. So in, in this one, create that budget. Now for Jay and I, this is like a, you know, second normal thing we do every day. It's a, uh, we, but it's funny when you ask people to create a budget sheet, I don't know about you, Jay, but how often do they do it right? Yeah, definitely. That's one thing that we've been providing to clients is actual budget spreadsheets. I know it's painful and we've talked about this before. Don and I are a little bit nerds when it comes to this type of stuff, but it's 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 painful for most clients. But when we can provide a, an easy document where and the banking software that's out there right now can can link into uh, an Excel spreadsheet very easily where you can we can load all the data that you've you've spent your money on for the for the month or the year and you can see exactly where you spent your money and it's pretty easy once you once you got it set up we can provide that to anyone any one of our listeners we can we can forward that off to them for sure yeah it's a great way and it really breaks down your your non-discretionary things you have to pay for and those are the ones inflation has probably taken a chunk and and, and made those a bit more expensive groceries you know um you know hydro bills etc uh but the discretionary ones you know, whether it's a Disney Plus or taking traveling more or, you know, whatever they may be, those are the discretionary. So it's like the must haves and the like to haves and, and kind of separate the two. Um, you know, I spoke to a person actually over the holidays and what he does every year, he goes through the list of all his expenses and he gets a bit of a joy on what can he chop out of it for next year. 
And often it's, uh, okay, cable maybe. Um, and he actually calls the cable people and, and he gets a reduction almost every year. You know, whether it's a, we have an extra cell phone, do we still need that? Is there a better plan? Do we need all the different um, apps, for example? And he goes through all those. So it's a bit of a game for him every year. And it's, you know, whether it's $100 a month, whatever, it's still $100 in your pocket. Um, but at the end of the day, number three here is change your spending. You know, we're creatures of habit. And we just kind of just spend because we're just used to it. We stop at Tim Hortons or Starbucks and we get that coffee rather than making it ourselves. And it's become a habit. And that's why we need to make those changes to actually have extra money to do something with. And so by doing that, you can then list what are your financial goals and really get emotionally attached to them. I really want to do this, whatever it might be. I want to save $10,000 in my RSP this year. I want to pay off this by the end of the year, whatever it might be. But you really want to um, get involved in that goal. So therefore, it gives you more reason to change that spending habit. Okay. Um, I know, Scott, you've mentioned many times about automatic investing. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's the easiest way. It, it, it's one way. Talk about a New Year's resolution. This one's an automatic. You, you, you actually have to go out of your way to stop it. Mm-hmm. You know, you you mentioned something earlier and you were you were both you and Jay were talking about budgeting and such and saving. And, it's, you know, I'm sitting here thinking and I'm sure many people are. Well, you know, how can I save? I can barely make it by. Um, but when you're getting something taken off your paycheck that you never see, uh, that's a completely different scenario. And, and, and it, it really is the way to start out. It really is. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting if they raised your hydro bill by three hundred dollars or two hundred dollars a month, for example. Would you all of a sudden say, okay, we got to stop using hydro? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shut the lights out. Yeah. yeah. But you, you, because it's a mandatory thing you have to purchase every month, you'll find a way to make it work. That's the same way. You got to pay yourself first on the saving side or pay well, it's your like debt the old, quicker. It's like the old wealthy barber thing. Pay yourself first, right? hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. So another on one. Hydro, is- on a hydro, on a hydro note, um, my dad would make me shut off all the lights in my house. <laughs> <laughs> shut <laughs> off hydro that TV. Bu- <laughs> yeah, we couldn't watch TV for a month if the hydro bill went up by 300 bucks. <laughs> it's, it's so funny, though. You can turn with all these LED lights. You can literally have every, every one on. But if you use a toaster for like 30 seconds, it's as much <laughs> as a, a week's worth of lighting. But nobody thinks to that anymore. Um, yeah. Anyway, pay, a, yeah. uh, pay things off quick and buy things slowly. And so basically, when you're going to make a purchase, take us, you know, that second consideration or even think about it for a day. You may not even want it as much the following day. Okay, we're very impulsive when it comes to buying things. Um, pay off your credit cards in full. This seems like an obvious one, but any chance you have, if, if you have credit card balances, you basically use credit to augment your lifestyle. You've borrowed using 26% interest rates to augment your lifestyle. So if you're taking a trip out, and you're thinking, you know what, I'll just stick it on my credit card and you have no reason you're going to be, be being able to pay this for the next few months. You're literally borrowing at a very high rates. So think about that. Uh, financial literacy is, is extremely important and, and being involved. Find a maybe get a nap or find a, a book or anything just to become a little bit more involved in financial literacy. And, and finally, consolidate your debt. So those are the ones that are, are very easy. But it sounds easy. They all sound easy, actually. Losing 10 pounds sounds easy. All these things are, are not difficult, but it still takes um, you know, a real specific plan. So there's a lot of goal-setting strategies people use. And one of the ones that are very common is called the SMART principles. 
And basically, SMART is, is just an acronym, and it's S-M-A-R-T, obviously. And S stands for specific. And you have to have a goal that is specific or a New Year's resolution specific. So what needs to be accomplished? I need to save money so I can buy a house. I need to put more money away from my retirement. Find out what that is. And then what steps need to be taken in order to get to that goal? So it's a very specific goal, and you write that one down. Second is M for measure, measurable. Okay, I'm going to save $500 a month, for example, in my RSP next year. Hey, great time to start. It's January. Um, or I'm going to pay $500 more against my credit card every month, and I will make sure I do anything. I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to go to movies. I'm not going to do whatever it is until that is paid off. Okay. Um, and, and again, you now have a bit of a game plan. A stands for achievable. Make sure it's realistic. You don't want to say, okay, yeah, you've never saved a penny in your life. I'm going to start saving a thousand a month. And that first thousand comes off and wow, that didn't feel very good. I can't do that next month. I got a thousand more on my credit card because you did change your spending. Yeah, that's de definitely something we see. So people think they, they've got these ambitious goals of saving way more than they actually can uh, attain. And they end up putting it on a line of credit or putting more money onto a credit card or a line of credit. And if it's on a line of credit, it doesn't make you any better off. And, and maybe <laughs> no. you feel better because it's not on a credit card, but it's now it's on a line of credit at, at 7 or 8%. Percent uh, in today's interest rate environment, it, it's not a good thing. Um, so you definitely have to have that plan together so that you know how much you can save. Go through that budget, like you, you mentioned earlier, and see how much you can save. Um, set it realistic. It, it, it can't be unattainable. Yeah, it shouldn't be a dream. And again, you haven't earned the right to have that. You're not there yet. It's certainly great to think that way. But mm -hmm. again, it's taking the baby steps to get there. Yeah. And uh, R is for relevant. Make sure that this helps you out personally, you know, so it's going to make a big difference. And the way I like to look at how relevant this is, is start to visualize, okay, if I obtain this goal, how will that change my life? And think about that and say, okay, I, if I start putting this much more away per month, I will have a better retirement. And you can see that retirement. If I pay off all my credit cards, that allow, allows me to put money away. It, it gives you freedom and start visualizing, how am I going to feel about this? On the other flip side of this, if I don't achieve my goals, how what what's gonna how's my life gonna be then? And probably gonna be similar to where you are right now, which probably isn't a great spot or where you want to be. Put it that way. So again, put yourself think of the if you achieve it, and also what if I don't do it? And put yourself and think forward and think, okay, this is where I'm gonna be like, and and that may motivate you that much more. And this, I find money management is just as much an emotional goal setting type of event as it is how much money do I make because we know of a lot of wealthy people that can't save and they have no money and at the same token we have you know upper middle class people that have been very good the wealthy barber as Scott had just mentioned is a great kind of way of consistent savings and finally T stands for time based put a time date on it I'm going to achieve this um, by this certain date and I'm going to and measure it and do this, like look at it every month and see how much closer am I. You may have to make revisions along the way, but get emotionally attached. Don't just say, OK, here's my New Year's resolution. Cheers. And uh, all of a sudden the, you do it for the first week and that's it. It doesn't work that well. And you're going to say, OK, I'm going to do the same thing next year. How fast did 2022 go by? Mm -hmm. OK, 
we'll be sitting here a year from now thinking, wow, that 2023 went just went by the same way. So you need to get these goals in place. So how are, how are people doing this? Well, they need help. And it's funny enough, uh, 41% of people are now using a financial app to help them, which is good. You know, there's a lot of great apps out there that kind of keep their spending in check or, or watch their goals, et cetera. 22% use an advisor. So almost a quarter, not too bad. Uh, 21% are doing automatic payments and do it. And another eight are using some other form. <laughs> Funny enough, 27% are doing nothing, not using any help at all. I have a feeling they're not going to do that well. Weirdly enough, though, if you look at those, the ones using an advisor, and this has been proven, they've actually back-checked all this, they have a net worth that's two to three times greater than the ones using trying to use their own devices. Two to three times greater net worth. And as Jay was mentioning, the net worth all took a bit of a hit last year with markets and real estate and investments. Well, all I can tell you, if your net worth at retirement is two to three times greater, you will certainly appreciate that, and your life would be far greater. So there's so many different ways. Forbes actually came out. Uh, the first thing you should do with your New Year's resolution, number one, is meet with a financial advisor. I did not write this. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> this, I said, well, that's good for them. They made a whole lot of other things. At the end of the day, um, they also added uh, raise your income. We can't control that, but, you know, get a side hustle. You know, as Jay had mentioned in an earlier show is get a second job do something you enjoy doing, make a few extra bucks and save that money. Review your beneficiaries, very attainable. It's a great time to do it. And review your estate plan. So at the end of the day, we're in January. It's often one of the more depressing months, weirdly enough. There's usually a hangover from Christmas and bills. But if you start setting your goals and have clarity, follow that with a financial plan and you can start to see results. You're going to be happier. And as Einstein says, and we've all heard this saying, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Jay, you're going to talk about annuities. What are yeah, they? Yeah. So we've talked about it on the show. Gary, I believe, talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I talked about it a, a couple of months ago. It keeps coming up in our meetings more and more just because um, it's it's an investment that was more, I guess, more popular back in the 80s, kind of like you were, Scott, back in the 80s. You're a little more popular than they are now. Um, I'm sorry. You're going to you're gonna have to speak up. I didn't hear what you said there. <laughs> Anyways, interest rates are rising. They've risen six times in the last year, um, sitting at 4.25. The Bank of Canada is at 4.25, prime rate at 6.45. So interest 
bearing investments, GICs, things that create or, or, or interest-based are getting more and more to be topic of conversation, I guess, is, is what's coming up. So annuities are something like that. They're based um, on, on two things, or more than two things, but generally on two things, basically on the rate of return and on longevity or, um, or mortality rate. So with, with an annuity, what you end up doing is you put a lump sum into an investment, and it pays out a certain amount on a month or annual basement. So an annuity, it provides tax preferred growth. So you put the money in there and it sits there until you're ready to pull it out. So it's it's a nice vehicle where um, it's similar to an RSP or a tax-free savings account. Um, unlimited contributions. So with a, a tax-free savings account or RSPs or pensions, you're limited by the government on how much we can put into these. With an annuity, it's unlimited. Um, if you've got non-registered annuities and you've got millions of dollars, you can dump millions of dollars into these plans. Um, you have a choice of payout options. So often with a with a pension, you, you get your pension paid out on a monthly basis and it it kicks in at 55 or 60 or 65. With with the annuity, you determine when you want that that payout to start. Um, so there are some, some varying options with payouts. Um, there's no mandatory withdrawal. So you don't have to start taking money out 65. You can delay it until 70 or 75, whenever you need the money. So it's really customizable that way. Um, Often include a guarantee. So if you if you put the money in, it's guaranteed either to pay back the money that you put in or guaranteed to pay out over a certain period of time. Also, there, there's often a death benefit associated with it. So there's there's some varying different things that will uh, augment your risk or, or satisfy your risk. Um, and then it's income for a lifetime. So with RSPs, you put money into an investment um, and it's market driven or market based generally. Um, if it's in a mutual fund or a stock or something like that, and it, it's it's income for life. But if if the investments go down, the income for life could run out if you're pulling too much money out. Where this is guaranteed, it pays out that income for life. And it's kind of a nice thing. It's it's a, a nice way to complement your existing RSP portfolio um, as almost like a, a like an individual pension. There are a few cons to this. Um, there are fees associated with these with these types of investments. Um, they can be very complex and should be part of an overall fund financial plan, not only about the highest payout. So often people say, well, what is the highest payout you can get me in on an annuity? It's not always about that. You often want to look at what, are, how is it structured? Is it indexed to inflation? Is there a return of premium on it? Is there a guaranteed return of premium? Is there a death benefit? So there's many different complex parts to it, which can be a little bit overwhelming. So you definitely want to sit down with a, a professional to discuss what your options are with that. Um, it's also um, uh, reduces your access to your funds. So once you lock into an annuity, once you put the money into the annuity, you can't break the contract. It's You're kind of stuck with it. So you don't want to put all your eggs in that basket. It could be a sliver of your of your retirement plan or your uh, investment portfolio, but it's it, it limits your flexibility once you put all the money into it. So I look at it as, a, as an alternative investment to to a GIC or something like that. Right now, the rates of return on these on these um, on the annuities are, are approximately around five to to five and a half percent. With with uh, GIC rates right now for a one year paying four point zero five or sorry five point zero five, and a five year paying four point three five. These annuities are paying higher rates of return on on that right now. The one downside to the annuity is that yes, it, it, if you extrapolate it out and you live till ninety, it pays out that five point two five. But if you if you start receiving an income and you pass away and there's no guarantee on it and it pays out only over a shorter period of time, maybe that that return rate is far less. So you really got to work uh, what works for your your financial plan 
You know, GICs are, are definitely getting more and more popular now when with these interest rates rising and, and the markets dropping, people are, are looking towards these fixed type of investments. So um, it's with these annuities, it's a guaranteed return. However, um, not necessarily guaranteed payout over over your lifetime if you, if if you're uh, if you're if your longevity isn't there. So that's definitely when you're looking at a, an annuity, a couple key components to consider your age. So when are you taking it out? If you're taking it out at an, an older age, how what's your longevity or your projected longevity? What's your health like? So if you're in poor health or, or a smoker or something like that, your longevity isn't there. Annuities might not be the best option for you. Um, are you looking at a single or a survivor benefit? Do you have a spouse? Um, is this registered, non-registered? There's so many different variables that you can that you can use with these annuities. Again, we're getting into the the weeds a little bit here with the annuities, but uh, definitely sit down with um, a financial investment advisor, see what's the best strategy for you in terms of what annuities work for you, because there's so many different options with these. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, uh, some advice for UX, uh, U.S. taxpayers, Don? Yes, and right off the get-go, you think, well, what's that have to apply to me for? Well, if you are a U.S. citizen, you are a U.S. taxpayer, mm. okay? And there's a lot of Canadians um, that are, you know, they live here in Canada. They're paying Canadian tax. They're a resident of Canada, but they happen to be a U.S. citizen. They were born in the U.S., and they, they don't lose that. You actually have to revoke your U.S. citizenship in order to not be a U.S. citizen. Um, if you have a U.S. green card, uh, and you're still a green card holder. You are. You still have to file a U.S. tax return unless you file this non-resident um, form to allow you not to anymore. Um, and or let's say you're a Canadian that works a lot in the U.S. and you have substantial presence in the U.S. and therefore do not meet the cl closer connection exemption. So, yeah, there's a lot of people that this covers, and boy, the rules are sticky. And the U.S. is going over after a lot of these people, particularly after about 2013. And so right away, right away, a tax consequence of investing in Canada is you must file this report of foreign bank and financial accounts, otherwise known as an FBAR. I know it's a mouthful, but uh, and again, I'm just going to touch on it a little bit today. We got five minutes. I just want everybody to be aware this is not easy and you will need to meet with a U.S. Canadian tax advisor. Talk about complex. Oh boy, I've spent so much time with some of my uh, clients that are either moving to the U.S. or are U.S. citizens and it is complicated. One good thing is RSPs and RIFs. There is a bit of a tax treaty with those. So at least when you are the income earned inside an RSP, you don't have to pay tax on um, income inside a RIF, you do not have to pay tax on. If you take money out of an RSP, there's a 25% withholding tax. And then you have, and then use the tax treaty between the US and the Canadian, um, and it may actually work to your advantage. Now on RIFs, it's actually a little bit better. 
um, there's only 15% uh, withholding tax. So if you're saying, I'm going to take money out of my RSP um, and you're a U.S. citizen, therefore you may want to move it to a RIF first and then take the money out and they'll hold back 15%. So they'll then you look at the tax you'll pay in the state you happen to be in at that time and say, okay, what works best for me? Um, again, so many options to go through. I will not have time to go through it, but all I can tell you, it is complicated. And RSPs are probably the best thing. That's the least complicated. A lot of a lot of U.S. citizens, they're they're thinking, well, I live in Canada and get a tax-free savings account. Yes, you can, but they don't recognize it. So all the income you earn inside a tax-free savings account is taxable as a U.S. citizen. Um, RESPs they don't recognize. RDSPs, registered disabled savings plans, they don't recognize. So you got to be very careful with those. In fact, I would just recommend do not even have them. Do not have a TFSA. In fact, cash them in. Okay, it is mm-hmm. just make your life way too complicated. Now, on the non-registered side, that's where it's even I would say it's the most complicated. So if you have just investments and you've now moved into the U.S. and they are in, a, you know, let's say you're taking a, as a bit of a job change in Texas for two years. Well, they have this thing called a, a, the Passive Foreign Investment Company, otherwise known as a PFIC rules to prevent U.S. taxpayers from deferring tax on passive investments. Now, what's a passive investment? Pretty much almost any mutual fund is a passive investment. An ETF, an exchange-traded fund, is a passive investment. And for each fund you have, you have to fill a separate filing for that, for that uh, tax return. And in fact, if you have a fund of funds, so there's a lot of people, I'll just put it in this portfolio. There's 20 funds in there. You actually have to do 20 separate filings. So extreme, and not to mention, first of all, it's complicated. Second of all, it's costly. Each mm-hmm. piece of paper costs at least $100. And the person I happened to speak with in the last couple of weeks, he was paying $500 per slip. So if you have 20 slips, that's $10,000. Extremely, Crazy. and that's just administration. Yeah. And then they have this thing called mark to market where you're actually paying tax on the growth you have on the investments every year. Well, I thought, okay, that's bad enough. It's capital gains. It's actually treated as normal income. You're not even getting it as a capital gain, which would have less tax. It's treated as normal investment income or interest income. So there's another way of doing it. It's called the qualifying elective electing fund or QEF which is a lot closer to the Canadian way. It's a, it's a better tax structure and you'll pay less tax. Now, IG, thankfully, in the last year, has come out with these IG taxpayer portfolios. And basically, you get this extremely diversified portfolio of many different funds within a fund, but it only generates one slip. So the very worst case, you pay $500 for creating your tax return. You get, so the simplified reporting, you get globally recognized, uh, world-renowned portfolio management through BlackRock, and they do a great job. Extensive diversification. Not only do they do they do you know, geographically, they do asset classes, the market cap. Um, there's a deeper toolkit for changing markets. They're constantly trying to change the allocation to make sure they're getting the best returns they can. And boy, they run over 10 trillion with a T dollars in asset management they're the largest in the world and they're running this fund for us so it's we're pretty excited about this um and they have dedicated oversight and rebalancing all the time and this is made custom for your risk tolerance so great option if you are going to if you are a u.s citizen 
um, and you are you have non-registered money, you should give us a call. See if this fits what you should be looking at. Um, if you're going to go to the States and you're going to be working down there for uh, you know a year, two, three years, you may want to put your non-registered investments into a product like this. So anyway, definitely you should get your ducks in order before going to the States. Extremely important. You don't want to get on the wrong side of the long arm of Uncle Sam. <laughs> yeah, we, ha we have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Another great show, gentlemen. Great way to kick off the new year. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.